uh, first of all, I just want to tell you guys, thank you so much for the opportunity um, and to be here. Uh, I, I think you guys know kind of the, the platform and what it would look like. Uh, and we just want to offer uh, just not only just like words of wisdom or just even just affirmation, uh, but we want to offer you like ourselves, to be honest with you. Uh, what we'll say here uh, will kind of be the tip of the iceberg in something that could go much further, much deeper. Uh, and that is uh, by way of relationships, man. Please, by all means, know that we want to enter into some of this with you uh, relationally. Uh, whether it be you calling me, talking to me, connecting with us, and the same with Jamie, mm -hmm. we all have a heart for the kind of ministry that you guys are doing. So I want to open up in prayer, uh, and then we'll jump right into it. And I'll, and I'll also say, trust and believe, uh, we're not experts on this stuff. We don't have all the answers, but we hope that you will walk away with a, a few things uh, that will just help you uh, in your ministry. So we'll pray, and then we'll go from there. Lord, thank you for an awesome opportunity um, and occasion to be together and to learn uh, from your word and to learn from your example. Uh, Father, I thank you for what's happening out in Northeast, how you're blessing it, how leaders are going out and being faithful and going out to the schools uh, and reminding kids of, of how awesome they are um, and that Jesus loves them. So we just pray that you just continue to give us wisdom and give us guidance as we talk, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can, we, can you do me a favor and turn to the book of Mark chapter 16? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Mark 16. This will be very familiar uh, to you. And at any point, if we're talking, you need us to stop. We will interrupt us. Say, hold up. Wait a minute. Um, and when you get there, could somebody read for me? Do 14 and 15. Think of anybody. Mark 16, 14, 15. I got it. Um, later Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all the creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And those signs will accompany you or these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and, they will, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. No doubt. Um, the, the point I wanted to make is this right here. He said, go out into all the world, into all nations, right? Uh, and so uh, the first thing I want to say is this. Um, you have an opportunity to take that gospel and get it to every single person is exactly what Jesus called for. Uh, and he knew the moment would come where the disciples who represented a culture would have to do some kind of cross-cultural ministry, right? Um, if you look at scripture, all the way throughout scripture, even Jesus' example, like he always paid attention to those who were not like them or not like him or the disciples. Um, he was running with a, a, a group who really believed that they were like the elite. Uh, they were racist. And instead, and Jesus would pull in the good Samaritan and make him the example. He would take a woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Uh, throughout scripture, Jesus continued to raise up people again who were not like him and or the disciples. One thing I would always tell Jamie, which is why she's in the room, um, I was like, Jamie, look, um, 
you are the one, and this was when she was on Young Life staff, I was like, Jamie, like, you're the one that's doing cross-cultural ministry. Like, when I go down to Eau Claire, guess what? I'm comfortable. I feel right at home, right? I was like, Jamie, but when you go to Eau Claire, like, you're, you're, you're jumping all kind of loops, and you're, you're doing things that I'm, I'm not doing. Um, and I would continue to tell Jamie, hey, hey, you're doing something that is amazing and that is powerful, and you need to be affirmed. Like, you need to know that what you're doing is different than what's going on anywhere else. Uh, and what I would say to you guys in, in the Northeast area is exactly what I used to say to Jamie. Mm-hmm. You guys have an opportunity to do something that a lot of other areas are not doing. When I go to the cafeteria at any of my schools, everybody in there is black. Everybody. When I go to Eau Claire, I'm surprised when I see somebody's white or, or anything else. I'm like, hey, where, where do you come from? Right? When I go to Keenan, everybody there is, is African American and or black. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I just want to continue to just tell you guys, man, thank you so much for doing what you were doing. And you're doing exactly what Jesus and God requires. And I do know that it's difficult. And I wanted to start off there because I just wanted you to know it is what the Lord wants, right? Um, is it easy? No, but it is what the Lord wants. And what we're going to do, we're going to kind of open it up and just kind of talk about the practicals and the hard parts and the things that, that may be really, really difficult for you. Um, Jamie will tell you, our first couple of years of doing downtown Columbia, when we had Jamie and Michael, who were white, going into Eau Claire, I mean, we had struggles with leaders. We had struggles with kids. It was a lot that was going on there. Uh, but the Lord continued to bless it because, like, we stayed with it. Um, and, so, and so, again, I hope and pray that you would see us saying, hey, we love you guys and want to help you in this. And I would say most of your questions um, would, would, would probably like go towards Jamie's direction. And that's why she's here, because it's like, hey, man, you guys sit in a place that I don't sit in. And I want to continue to offer wisdom and insight. And Jamie and I want to partner and do that. And so the first thing we want to do is talk about healthy boundaries. Right. Um, because we, we feel like you guys are, are in it or, or want to be in it. But it's like, OK, I'm in it. But what do I do with it? <laughs> Where do I go? And so the first thing we want to open up with is, man, how do you set up healthy boundaries in this? Mm-hmm. And then Jamie will go from there. I'll plug in a few things and then we'll open it up and allow you guys to just flat out ask questions, ask questions about healthy boundaries or just to ask questions that are not that don't have anything to do with healthy boundaries. And then in the end, I'll kind of cap it off with the worksheet I have over here and just kind of give you some more uh, details and some more just highlights that, that will help you in ministry move, moving forward. So I'll pass it over to Jamie now as she uh, talks about healthy boundaries. Okay. So first of all, like, what y'all are doing is such a big deal. And if it was easy, everyone would do it. And that's why they're not. And so know that it's supposed to be hard. And it's, like, not going to be a walk in the park. And y'all are some of the people that are pioneering something new. And so there's going to be a lot of room to figure it out. And there probably are not a lot of people to ask questions to, you know. And I'm sure every one of you has, like, some unique scenario of something with some kid that you're like, what the heck am I supposed to do, right? And you're just trying to figure it out. Um, But keep doing that. Like, I think a lot of times in Young Life, we're like, we sign up to be Young Life leaders, right? And Young Life, Rick says it all the time, has, like, a really thick culture. Like, we were even talking about, like, people expect you to be an extrovert if you're a Young Life leader. And some of you aren't, and that's fine. And um, also, like, historically, Young Life is a really white thing, like, just in general. 
And so I think I would go to the school and I'd be like, man, I just signed up to do Young Life and that is not what I'm doing. Like, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing, but it is not Young Life. And Rick would be like, no, it is. Like, this is Young Life, but you're doing it in a new place. And so it's not like you're having to figure out how it's going to look. And so know that like some of your roommates and some of your friends may be like having 10 girls spend the night and they're watching movies that everyone agrees on and like eating all the same food and hanging out and you're like, I can't even get three girls to come to club, right? <laughs> and it, so I also want to say like, don't look around at other ministries and don't compare yourself, especially to like the best urban club that's happening and be like, dang, our school doesn't look a thing like that. Like I wish that we could like rewind and y'all could come to our first club at Eau Claire because... <laughs> Actually, the news was there, so you could probably watch it somewhere. It was really terrible. And, like, there, we had so many clubs that were just a wreck. Like, we had clubs that I was so embarrassed I didn't want to be at, you know? And now y'all look at Eau Claire probably and are like, dang, if we could just do that. Like, it took a long time. And it was really painful. And like Rick said, like, our team had to figure it out. Our kids had to figure it out. And, like, it's still not perfect. But we were joking on the phone today. I was like, no one drives you to the worst club and says, look at this. You know, like, y'all probably have only seen the very best things that are happening. And that can be discouraging sometimes when you're like, we don't even have anything to see. You know? We would have kids pat us on the back at the bad club. Like, man, it'd be all right. And like, we had a leader give a terrible talk. And one of Rick's kids was like, hey, man, that was painful. <laughs> Not kidding. Not kidding. Um, okay. Also, I was telling Rick that my face has been doing this thing where it just gets red. I'm not nervous. Okay. Just okay. if y'all ignore it, I will too. You don't Rick. Rick, I feel it. Like I know. Um, okay. Also, something else um, is that there's like this really like special gift that y'all get, and I don't want you to miss it. And this is like two parts. One, when you go into your schools and you're hanging out with kids that don't look like you, it's maybe the first time that you get what it feels like to be a minority. And that's a really, really big deal because that's for a lot of kids their whole life, right? And it's good for you to sit in a crowd and be like, dang, I have nothing in common with these people. I don't get the jokes they're making. I didn't do the same things on the weekend and I've never eaten that before. You know, like that's not what my family does. And to know that like that's them all the time. That's them when they go to your house and hang out with you and your roommates. Like I remember bringing girls over the first time and I felt like they were afraid to be at my house. I had kids one time that came to our house and they, they'd never been like hanging out with Michael and I before. And we were like, how'd you find our house? And they were like, why this one on the street? We knew it was y'all, you know, like they just knew. And it's true. Like the way we decorate our house and the way our yard looks is different. Like, and it's the same when you enter into their home, into their life. And that's really special. I think a lot of people will never experience that in their life and know what it feels like. And so I would say sit in the discomfort of it and let God meet you there instead of just feeling like you don't belong. Because you do, because God called you, and that's why you're in that space. Um, yeah. Uh, recently, I had an opportunity to do a seminar, and there were area directors in the room who've been in the mission of Young Life for 10, 15 years who've never experienced anything other than their own culture. Like, they've never, ever, mm -hmm. ever been the minority, and that's why Jamie was saying it's such a precious gift mm -hmm. when you are, because imagine not even having an opportunity to do that. And when you're thrust into that position, it's like, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go. Um, I think you guys had an opportunity to, to visit us in our seminar about a year ago we had with, with leaders. And I was talking about the guy named JP who suddenly didn't know how to do the dance. Uh, it was music going on. It was mm -hmm. playing. And it was trying to, he was standing on stage. And everybody was watching him. And he was like, I don't know how to do the dance. And then he said, he said he's like, man, is this how every 
African-American person or a person of color feels when they enter into an environment where they are the minority, where everybody's watching them try to figure the dance out. And I would say, yes, that's exactly how it feels. Mm -hmm. But what Jane is saying is like, that is great to be in that mm -hmm. because now you can touch and connect and feel. Yeah. You can now empathize. Yeah. Right. Because even there were sometimes that like being the only white leader on my team, we'd go to leadership and they'd be like, man, Jim, you don't get it what it's like to be in a room like that. And I'd be like, yes, I do. Like I go to the school with you every day and it's terrifying and I know that it's hard, right? And so even if you're going to try and take your kids to Young Life Club, that's mostly all white but you're sitting in a room that looks totally not like you when you hang out with their friends, like, you can say, like, I, I get that way when I'm sometimes, like, in a group like that, and it's scary and it's different, but it's also really fun, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but also with that, like, when you are the minority somewhere, like, don't, you know, kids will be like, they'll be like, Jamie, but you're, you're black, though. Like, you're black. No, y'all, all of you are white. All of you. <laughs> and they need to know that you're white. Like, they need to know that white people can love them and care about them and be in their life because they think, and like when they say you're black and you're like, yeah, cool, I'm in. All that says is that they don't think white people can be nice or helpful to them or genuine like you are. And now you're just lumped in with all the other cool black people they know. And it's or, like, or even cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, white people aren't cool. They can't be cool right? You're cool, so you're with us. And it's like, no, white people can be cool. And it's really important for you to be like, like Michael would get so mad about it. I actually learned it from him. He'd be like, I'm white, and I am still your friend. He'd be like, I'm not black. He'd be like, look at this, I am not black. And I, I remember the first time he did it, and I was like, what are you so mad about? And then I was like, he's right. It's really important, because that's part of breaking that like racial tension and barrier there, and like just the idea of what they think white people are. You know, In the same way that we like white people think things about black people, they do the same to you. Um, and so I think that's really important. And it doesn't necessarily have to even be like, this is a cultural talk. It's not just about black and white kids. Like, you can have white kids that are just completely culturally different than you. Like, if they're just really poor or they grew up, like, out in the, like, on a farm somewhere or something, like, where you have nothing. I remember Tierra was on our Young Life team, and she was black, but she went to Spring Valley. And when we would go to Eau Claire, she was like, I just am not like them. I feel like I don't fit in. And so it doesn't have to be a color thing. It could be anything. Just like if you're completely different from the kids that you're around at your school. I think that's really important. Um, okay, so when we talk about boundaries, I was kind of laughing when Rick brought it up. because I was like, I wonder if people think that that's really like one of the most important things of doing ministry. Um, I would say it is, and I would say I know that because I didn't have them. Um, and I really had to learn and I could talk about ministries is, or boundaries is like my soapbox and I could talk about them all day. Um, but I think a lot of times it's, it's easy to hear boundaries and be like, boundaries are bad. They keep things out and boundaries like cause conflict, right? Cause it's saying no to things. And I just, that's not completely true. Um, boundaries help you figure out what's yours and what's not right. Like a boundary says where I end and you begin and in ministry, that's like a number one place that that gets mixed up, right? Because all of a sudden you're doing all these things for kids and it's like, this is my responsibility. Like, I have to do this for you. And it's like, no, you don't. Like, that's, was that ever yours before you knew them? And like, why is it yours now? Um, and then also they help you. They don't only keep bad things out, which is part of what they do, but they also protect what you have. And I think that that's the part that people miss a lot. And what you have is like your feelings, your beliefs, and your health. And boundaries protect you as a person. And if you don't have them, then you will burn out. You'll quit. You'll be bitter. You'll be mad. You'll be upset. And you'll blame other people when really it's your fault. 
because you weren't willing to take ownership of what was yours because you may have been so busy looking at other people. Um, that's really my favorite thing to do. Like, I love to not deal with however I'm feeling and then just rescue other people, right? Because then I don't have to pay attention to myself and I, what I'm doing looks really good. And I think a lot of times I would think that it was selfless. Like, I thought that that's what God called me to do was like to just completely ignore my needs and to chase after kids because their needs were so much bigger. But that's not true. Like, God cares just as much about you and how you feel and the things that you need. And he cares about them and meets you where you are so you can be sent out. And if you ignore all that stuff, then, like, you're going to burn out and you're doing a disservice to kids, too, because you won't be there the whole time. You're not going to make it. Um, and I think the thing, like, about our feelings, which, you know, some feelings I think also get a bad rep, you know? It's like, well, I'm sad, but I'm just going to pray more. And I, like, I need to be a better Christian. Or I haven't, like, asked God about this, which I think all of that's really important. But sometimes it's okay to stop and be like, man, that kid really hurt my feelings. Like, and I feel really taken advantage of by them. And I'm disappointed. I'm hurt. And feelings, like, feelings serve as, like, they're little transmitters. God gave us feelings to alert us to something. And all of our feelings... They're not good or bad, but they just are ways for us to recognize our need for God. Like, if I'm feeling sad or disappointed, maybe I'm putting my hope in something that I shouldn't. And if I'm feeling afraid, then maybe, like, it's a warning sign from God that I need to be paying attention to Him. And so I think it's really important to take care of yourself and to know, like, okay, what is mine? And to really ask, like, is this my responsibility when you're hanging out with a kid? Because all of us have kids that we could rescue, right? All of us have gotten a call in the middle of the night. All of us have had a kid that has had something terrible happen. And there are times that y'all probably skipped exams, lost sleep, like didn't show up to something you were supposed to be at because you had to be there for that kid. And then maybe that wasn't what they needed. I don't know. It could have been, but I think that boundaries help you figure that out. And boundaries help you to navigate what that looks like. Um, yeah, go ahead. And the reason why this conversation here is so important, especially when you talk about cross-cultural ministry, mm -hmm. where you're talking about us, because when you walk into your school, uh, regardless of whatever your background may be, remember, there's, there's perceptions. Like, if I see you entering the Eau Claire and you're white, I'm thinking, oh, you have money. You're rich. You have privilege. Mm -hmm. You're rich. You can help me. And so you enter in and you start developing relationships, and immediately you, you begin to think, well, you know what? I can help you. Hey, here's a dollar. Hey, I can give you a ride. Hey, let's get a ride. And so all of a sudden, you, mm -hmm. you turn this thing, this thing becomes like, hey, just do stuff for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not necessarily your leader. I'm just doing things for you. Right. And then all of a sudden, it's like, at the end of the day, like, I'm spent. I'm done. Mm -hmm. Because I've never, like, I haven't taken the opportunity to create these healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. And that's why this conversation is so important. Yeah. Uh, and I'll interject the story about Quentin. Okay. You get around that um... Which also with that, like, I'm just going to let y'all know a little secret. Like, your kids don't have boundaries. And mm. so what they will, like, most of the world doesn't teach that. And if they see you and you do something, like, they're just going to see how much more they can get. And they're going to keep asking. And if you keep giving, like, you're teaching them how to be in relationship with you. Like, you're teaching them that if they ask and you say yes, that they're going to keep asking for more stuff because you keep saying yes. And so... That's really important because they, a lot of times, like, at Eau Claire, like, kids just didn't have anything. And so when you give them something, they'd be like, dang, I wonder if I can get something else, you know? And then I'd be like, sure, okay. And then all of a sudden, we were so far from that. 
And I don't think that's how Jesus was. Like, I would feel like a pushover a lot, and that's not God. Like, that's not who he is. And kids don't want a God like that. They don't want a God that you can just tell what you're going to do. They don't need him then. You know, and so that's not really pointing them back to the gospel. Um, the real gift is to be able to say no. I have this written down somewhere. Um, yeah, so one of the best things, I think, with the boundary is to learn to say no and get really clear about the things you will and won't do with them. Um, and for some of you, that may be hard if you're already in a relationship with them because you'll have to, like, reestablish the relationship, right, and, like, reteach some things and back up and be like, hey, I know in the past maybe I did this, but I'm not, I'm not able to do that anymore. I'm not able and I'm not willing can be some of your best friends. Like, I'm not able to do that or I'm not willing to do that right now. Um, and I think that those are really important. But no is not scary or hard when you have other yeses for that kid. Like, if all you're doing is saying, no, like, no, I can't pick you up. No, I'm not going to buy you this. No, I can't take you to your interview. No, I'm not going to watch your baby. Whatever. But then you never say yes to anything. You don't say yes to friendship. You don't say yes to showing up at school. You don't say yes to picking them up for a club. And, like, that is when no is hard, right? But when you have all these other things and you're offering them real relationship and not just buying them stuff and doing things for them, then you can say, like, I'm not willing to do that, but do you want to do this, right? Like, you can give them some options. And I think that that's really important. Like, a lot of our leaders would be like, no, you can't come to camp, right? And kids would lose their mind because camp was, like, the thing, right? And our leaders weren't doing other things with them. And so that no meant no to everything for them. It meant no to Young Life. But that's not what Young Life is. Like, Young Life is not camp. Like, Young Life is relationship. And if you have relationship with them, then you can say no and keep showing up. And then that no means something totally different to them. I got so many, like, arguments that's not with leaders because... Mm-hmm. What they wanted to do is they wanted to hand the relationship on the big thing, which was camp. Mm-hmm. And so they weren't doing anything in the middle, and they wanted to give them camp. And I'm like, hey, 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 no, wait, wait, stop. <laughs> That's not relationship. Again, relationship isn't just giving them things or giving them stuff, especially giving them camp. Like, like you got to have something in between or in the middle because they knew. Especially when they're not paying for camp. Exactly. <laughs> you know, even that conversation where you're like, hey, don't tell them. Like, That's exactly how we do uh-huh. it. Like, and, and even, let's, let's stay on that camp thing, like even uh, knowing that kids had money, um, because I'm looking at the wardrobe, I'm looking at the shoes, I'm yeah. looking at like, like, what are you doing with your money? Like, obviously there's money somewhere, and they just kind of just, no, I don't have anything. No, I can't do it. And then all of a sudden they show up with $20 or, or whatever the case may be for other things. Mm-hmm. And so what, my point in saying that is, again, this is not necessarily color, this is culture. And so all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I can, I can spend $20 over here, but I'm going to make you pay for camp for me. Mm-hmm. Because they know the leader is like, man, I want you to be at camp. You mm-hmm. have to be at camp. You need to be at camp. And I'll say, like, you have to push back on some of that, yeah. and they have to have some responsibility there. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm sorry. No, that's good. So, okay, so some clear things about boundaries. Like I said, get clear about you will and won't do. Um, and, like, communicate that to them. I'm willing, I'm not willing, whatever. Learn to say no. Another one is that rescuing a kid, like running to their rescue, isn't rescuing them. Like you're teaching them things in those moments when, like if a kid, a kid calls and something serious is happening, happening, I think that's important. But I think a lot of times what we do is a kid calls and it's like, I'm needed, I gotta go. And you just like drop everything and run before like you've even really thought through like, okay, if I go, what can I do, right? Like how can I help? If I go... Like, is it necessary? Are they ringing an alarm? Or is it really an emergency? Like, you just don't ask. And so I think that a lot of times what you teach them, if you run to their rescue every time, 
is that like they can't think for themselves like that they can't do it by themselves and they need someone else to figure it out for them and it doesn't really teach them to sustain themselves and to figure it out and to look at what their realistic options are like you take them out of reality when they have someone that runs to their rescue all the time like that's not real life and you're not always going to have someone that can just rescue you and so you want to teach them how to do things on their own um and then also I always talk about this. So when Tierra and I first started leading at Eau Claire, Tierra was like a taxi. And I was I would get so frustrated. Tierra would be so tired, right? She had she had this girl that had a baby. And it'd be like she had like the car seat, the girl, three of her friends, like all kinds of the, I was like, Tierra. She was like, I'm so tired. And I was like, Tierra, how were they getting around before you got here? And she was like, Oh, I don't know. I I never thought about that. <laughs> but like they were doing life before you got there. Like, the things they're asking you for, like, what were they doing before? If they're like, I'm hungry. Like, were they eating before you came? What was the plan, right? Like, I need a ride to my job. Like, did they have a job before and how did they get there? Like, it would maybe be more convenient for you to take them, but is that a need? You know, like, I think a lot of times kids have wants and they just want to be more comfortable in their relationship with you, but they don't need that, right? And it's not your job to just make their life more comfortable. It's your job to share them, share Jesus with them and like build a relationship. So I think that's really important. Um, and then the last thing about boundaries I think is important. Um, not the last thing, but I think it's really important if you have boundaries to address when one has been violated. Um, which means like, hey, when you did that, like I'm not okay with that and I'm not willing to do that with you. Or when you did this to someone else, you crossed a boundary. Like, um, we had some fights at club at Eau Claire, and I was really, really afraid of conflict. I was afraid of conflict with kids. Like, I didn't want my kids to be mad at me. My kids. I didn't want kids to be mad at me. Um, but I also was very affl- afraid of, like, a fight. Like, R- Rick would always be like, Jamie, are you really terrified? Like, I am terrified. I don't know why. Like, even if it's the girls that I'm closest with, I am terrified. I, and when, like, I get afraid, I just freeze. You know, so there's, like, a fight right here, and I'm like just watching it can't do anything um but I was always I would be really unwilling Rick would be like we need to sit down with them I'm like "Mm -mm, I don't want to put them in a room together I'm terrified they're gonna get a fight again I'm scared of what they're gonna say they're gonna hate me and I would just be really really afraid to address conflict if it was a fight or not but I think it's really important if you just sweep everything under the rug because it's uncomfortable then like you're doing them such a disservice like what you're saying is like either I don't care about what you did you're not worth the energy to talk about it. And you're also not teaching them how to like have healthy resolution. And I think one thing that was always happening at Eau Claire was like these girls would just have a falling out, right? They got to fight and now they hate each other. And now it's like they can't even be in a club together. And it's like you can't just have a list of 100 enemies that you're going to hate for the rest of your life. Like you're going to be alone. But that was how our kids did conflict, right? Like you're dead to me. Then I think we have this like really good opportunity to teach them how to have conflict resolution and to sit down and talk about things and also to model forgiveness. Like even if you've done something wrong to say like that was wrong. I was selfish. I didn't want to do that or whatever it is. Um, so conflict, I think is important. I have three questions I want you to write down that I think are really important. And then we can like hop into some questions and stuff. But these are good, like, boundary litmus tests for yourself, just kind of, like, to see where you are. Some of them are questions, some of them are statements, but I think they all, they may hit home with y'all. Um, sacrifice at the expense of yourself is not heroic. It's a disaster waiting to happen. Sacrifice at the expense of yourself is not heroic. It's not sacrifice. It's disaster waiting to happen. 
I think we like want to sacrifice and be really selfless, but really we're bitter the whole time, and it's like you can only do that so long. Man. Yeah, you're just upset. Um, and you're mad at the kid. You don't want to pray for him anymore, right? You're just upset. Um, and kind of with that, if you can't give something freely, it is not a gift. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's not a gift anymore. What do you mean by that? Like, if I have a, like, if I want to serve a kid and I want to, like, show them Jesus and they call and ask for a ride and I'm just pissed because I know they have five other ways to get there and it's last minute, I'm like, I'll take you because I feel like that's, like, the Christian thing to do. But I'm mad the whole time. That's not a gift anymore and that's not service. And, like, God didn't begrudgingly do things for us, you know? Um, so something like that where, like, you can't provide what they're asking without being upset. Uh, so you're not talking, like, literally free. Like, you're um, being, like, yeah. freely, like, you're... Yeah, willing. like, no strings attached no, to it. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, like, even for me sometimes, like, I feel like I would really pour into kids a lot and I'd give all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, with this one girl, Dominique, who I just adored. But I realized I would do all these things for her, but I had an expectation of how she would act. You know, like, I would be like, how dare you get in a fight at club? Like, I've done everything for you. I poured in, and it was like, God didn't do that, you know? And um, I realized that, like, man, what I, like, is what I'm doing for her really a free gift and service like God called me to? Or am I just trying to make it look like I have another disciple and now I look bad because she can't get it together, you know? Um, and so kind of with that, this is the last thing, and I think this is really the most important one, and I'll use Dominique as the example um, but it's called the responsible two slash responsible four test. And so you always, like, as a person, as a leader, you are responsible to the kids that you've built a relationship with, right? Like, you're responsible to answer to them. Like, you're responsible for their phone calls. Like, you have a responsibility to them to show up in their life. You are not responsible for them. You are not responsible for them. And a good, like, litmus test to figure out if you feel responsible for them or to them, um, I can just give an example of how I knew that my boundaries had crossed the line and that I was taking ownership of someone that wasn't mine. Um, And it's so funny because it's later. So fast forward, I'm not on Young Life staff anymore. Dominique is not in high school anymore. She's out of high school. And... um, She's on our cell phone plan, and anytime that someone calls 911 on our cell phone plan, we get the, like, my husband gets the call because he, like, owns the bill, or he gets alerted that someone on the plan has, and so Michael called Dominique. He was like, did you call 911? Are you okay? And she had just gotten in a fight. Um, Someone jumped her and whatever, and she was, like, really shooken up, and so I was like, she has been wronged. I was upset. I, like, called Rick to go check on her, all this stuff. And then later that night, I saw on Facebook Live that she went and jumped the girl back, right? And I watched it on Facebook Live, and I, like, wept. But I remember feeling so embarrassed in that moment that people would see it because I was like, that's a reflection of me. And I was embarrassed that she got in a fight and that she went and chased this girl down. And I remember thinking, I hope Rick doesn't see it, right? And Rick's not going to see it. He's on Facebook. It doesn't matter. But the fact that I felt like it was a reflection of me, what she did, is how you know it crossed the line. It has nothing to do with me that she went and fought that girl. Nothing to do with me at all. But when you start to take things personally that your kids do and act like it's a reflection of you or you failed in some way, like, then it's too far because that's not your job and God never called you to that. Like, 
the real thing and being responsible to someone, that's where intimacy grows, right? Because if I'm responsible to you, and because what happens is when Dominique did that, I wanted to hide from her, right? Because I was so embarrassed. I was like, I can't believe that happened. I didn't want to talk about it because then we'd have to have conflict, right? And there'd be about like that boundary again because she knows better. And I'm a friend that would hold her accountable. But if I can show up for her and be like, I saw that. I hate that. I felt this way when you did it. I was sad. And to ask why and then sit in the hurt and pain without punishing her. Like, the last thing she needs is someone else disappointed in her, right? Or someone that doesn't know how to deal with her because of what she did. But because I had unhealthy boundaries, I couldn't show up the way she needed me to. And I couldn't address the issue because I was too busy, like, worrying about my own stuff. Which, you know, isn't it at all. So, those are the three little tests that I have. Yeah. We have about right at 10 minutes. So what we want to do is give you guys an opportunity to ask questions about boundaries or just let's just go across the board. We, we don't want you walking away feeling like, man, like what I came in for, I didn't get, or mm-hmm. um, I had something in my heart I really wanted to, to ask and didn't have a chance to. And I'll also say, we'll start, we'll stop at 6.20, but man, we, we will around. stick yeah. around if you are just kind of like, hey, Help me in the situation here. So we'll open up now. Okay, we'll go from there. Hurry back, so don't ask me anything. Watermelon's right here. (laughs) So, but yeah. So, anything you guys want to kind of just ask, and you don't have to walk on eggshells. We're family. You can just talk about this. Yeah, I have a question. So, um, when we like started Westwood, we kind of like started with the idea of like any kid, like what, like you're not this for every kid. And so we have like a couple of kids that have been hanging around with us for like four years now. Um, and like there's been growth, but like we didn't set up those boundaries whenever we started. And so like we did get in like really unhealthy patterns. And I know like myself, like I like financially could not handle that anymore and like had to stop. And like that, like with another girl, I like emotionally couldn't handle it anymore and had to take a break. And, like, since then, like, we've come back and, like, we're friends, but, like, we still, like, haven't really set up those boundaries. I, like, mm-hmm. still say no, so it's, like, still kind of weird because, like, I did have to walk away from them for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, how, like, would I go about setting up those boundaries where I could be there for them, but, like, in a way that I, like, can sustain? Yeah. Can I answer that? I think, so it's really funny, I learned this, um, my friend is just really wise, and she'd always be, like, she would say things, I'm like, duh, why am I thinking about that? One thing, I was having, like, a similar issue, and she was like, why wouldn't you just say that to them? Like, I think you can say, like, hey, I didn't have the money before, but I really cared about our friendship, and I wanted to show up and do whatever I could. And I also, like, was having a hard time myself and, like, couldn't be there. Like, I think it was a lot for me to be there the ways that you wanted me to be. And I'm sorry about the time that I took away. Like, I don't want you to think that I was, like, ignoring you. I think you can, like, address the silence, right? And then say, like, I'm, like, I miss you. I love you. I love being in your life. And I want to try and show up in a way I'm able so that I don't have to step out again. Like, I was doing more than I could before, and that's on me, and I'm sorry. But, like, I want to be your friend. I probably can't buy you every meal. And, like, I don't know if I can answer every call at 2 a.m., but I want to answer more calls than I did when I wasn't there, right? And I think just, like, get clear about what you can do and acknowledge that, like, you didn't do it perfect before. And then they, some of them, like, that's the other thing, y'all. And people, when you have a boundary, people will push up on it because they don't like it, right? Because it's, like, new. 
and that comes in all different forms, right? Like some kids will get mad and like yell at you or be like, I hate you or you let me down or whatever. Other kids will just ignore you for a little bit. They'll be like, you're dead to me. But the reality is that like God is in all of that and God will bring them back. Like it's your job to be there and to like still be there and be present and be available whenever they come around. And so let them have some of their process in the midst of it. And Rick was talking about this today. He was like, and they're high schoolers. Like, they're moody. They don't know what they want. Like, you're cool one semester. You're not the next. Like, sometimes it's just not even about it's you. It's not even because you know? you're what? No, it's not. Sorry about that. <laughs> they didn't laugh. <laughs> I did. Thank you. Yeah. But is that helpful? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. I have like, well, kind of two. Okay, the first one. So with like the food thing, whenever you go out to eat with people and like if we take like a group to cook out something like that and they don't have money and like you can, how do you, like, I just like can't, I'm just like, uh, like you know what I'm saying? I get but so like, uncomfortable. I'm like, but they came out to eat knowing they yeah. had money. Just, or even on top right? of that, they will go in front of you and be like, order a cookout milkshake and be like, okay, go ahead, Lydia. And like expect yeah. me to pay for it. So that's like a great teachable moment where you're like, hey, hold on. Like to the registry, that you can cancel that. Hold on. And you can pull them aside and be like, hey. Seriously. <laughs> I probably wouldn't do that. You would. I would. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie would. I do would. That, that she would definitely like, do. I wouldn't do that thing. one. But she like would. in that situation, <laughs> and like even with you, I'd be like, hey, like you came out to eat, but you didn't have money. Like, tell me about that. Yeah. Like, you can just put two things that happen side yeah. by side and be like, help me understand yeah. that. And if they're like, well, I thought you'd buy it. Yeah. You could be like, well, you know, if you ask me, there are times that I'm willing to buy it. But I am not okay if you just assume that I will every time. You know? And so I think you can say, like, in the future, if you want me to buy food for you, I would like to be asked. And I'll let you know when I can. And there may be times that I can't. Right? Don't do that in front of all their friends. Like, if you got 10 people behind you in line, I wouldn't say do that. I think you could buy them the milkshake and then later say, like, hey, I'm not okay with that. This is why. You didn't ask. Right? Um, and they knew they didn't have Or explain before. that to everybody. Like, when you get in the car, like, hey, y'all, look. Listen. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, got it like, like that. Like, right. Like, make it light. Make it easy. Hey, y'all, check this out. Who got money? If, if everybody didn't have money, we're not going to. You know what I mean? My point is, like, you can do that in a way that's fun and you can keep it light mm-hmm. without embarrassing them and, and and without putting a huge amount of pressure on you to pay every time. And right. then once they know that's how you operate, then they'll do one of two things. Either they'll decide, hey, I'm not about that, or they'll fall in line. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rick, I got money today. Let's go to cookout. Cool. Boom. The other day, we just said Family Dollar. The other day, my guys all had I've never seen this, right? All of them had money. All of them had money, and I knew it. They're like, man, we're just going to, because they want to go to Family Dollar to buy snacks. So we walk into Family Dollar, I'm like, oh, I know y'all got money. <laughs> y'all buying me snacks today, right? And it was, it was fun because typically at campaigners, I'll buy snacks and, you know, cookies and whatever, and we'll sit down and eat, and they, they bought all the snacks, and they bought the drinks. And my point is, because we've set some parameters in place, mm-hmm. and, you, and it doesn't have to be a heavy conversation right. every time you can have fun with that. But it does allow you to set those boundaries and, and keep yourself protected. Anyway. Also, with that, like um, how I said before, like get clear about what you will and won't do. So maybe you just know that none of your kids have money. One, I would say, like, hey, we're not going out to eat all the time because nobody can buy food, right? Like no, me included. Like I can't pay for it. Or what I would do a lot of times is there was a Sonic right by Eau Claire, and they'd get out during happy hour, and so. I would say, like, hey, I can't buy your dinner, but I'm willing, like, all of you can get a milkshake at happy hour with me. And I would tell them what they could get. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd say, I'm willing to buy you this, mm-hmm. right? And get really clear. Mm-hmm. And then you got some kids that's ordering, like, five things. I'm like, hey, who's paying for but, that? And you'll watch and see where other, where other kids will jump in. Right. Like, Quentin, if Quentin has money, 
no, everybody will have money because he's just going to share his money. Oh, he'll right. do that. Like, yeah. And that gives a great opportunity for, for that onus or that weight to be on the community and not just on you as the leader. Mm -hmm. You set those parameters. Yeah. Uh, also for that, I mean, it definitely works more for the guys, but I just, if I'm going out to eat somewhere, I'm always ordering a water. So they see that. But yeah. they also see if I buy somebody else food, it's because of a bet. So the only reason I buy food for other people is if, like, I bet with them um, that, like, I would give them food if they want. And so sometimes they're giving me food. Um, a lot of times I'm giving them food because I try to make it. That's like a boundary you set. Like, this is the yeah. only time. This is when I buy food. Yeah. yeah. So, But that's great for, like, guys. Yeah. Or especially if you're just ordering water. Every right. Anybody else? It's like more of a serious question, but like with like broken households, mm -hmm. like mom's in the picture, but like mom is like interested about like what who Jesus is, but then dad like completely gone, like mm -hmm. like the son like like hypothetically like son like knows like the dad like talks to him on the phone, but he's like a drunk, like not want to be in his life, not mm -hmm. positive at all. Mm -hmm. How like I know like necessarily how to address it like with like a little bit, but like. What kind of like encouragement do I speak into that, mm -hmm. and like what kind of things do are need to be said? Yeah, you're doing it. Mm -hmm. You're showing up. You're give, you're giving him community. You are the living gospel. You get what I'm saying? Like yeah. you're walking the walk. You're talking the talk. You're consistent. You're showing up without any strings attached. Okay. I'm not saying you're his father all of a sudden, but my point is like you're giving him community that's healthy, that's safe, that he can trust. Mm -hmm. you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. That ministers more than any word that you can speak and continue to give them encouragement. My point is, like, you may not be able to speak into all of the nuances. You, you get what I'm saying? But you are giving him exactly what he needs. That's in a loving community where he's safe and, and, and can be supported. What if, what if, like, he, like, the only time he has contact with his dad is, like, when he talks to him on the phone and it's, like, not any good things said mm -hmm. towards him? Mm -hmm. Like, what kind of things... Because I know that's like mm -hmm. more of a thing that's like not on me. I feel like I need to bring that to someone else kind of. Well. Right. Continue to encourage him. Okay. Like, for instance, help him understand like where his dad may be mm -hmm. in this picture. Like, for instance, his dad may not be in a place where he can give him love okay. and encouragement. Right. And so, to be honest, I mean, he may make that phone call for the next year or two and never get the love, support and encouragement. Mm -hmm. But and help him understand why. You know what I mean? But also help him understand it would be great for you guys to enter into prayer for his dad. Mm -hmm. Like, man, what would it look like if your dad came to a place of knowing the Lord? You know what I mean? And partner with him in pursuing his dad with the gospel, right? I want you to write this yeah. down and watch it later, but it's a Brene Brown video. All of y'all should watch it, but it's a Brene Brown, B-R-E-N-E, -E, and then her last name's Brown. Um, and it's a video called Empathy, but it talks about... It's basically like a quick three minute video. It's like a cartoon. So if you start watching it, you're like, this is a cartoon, this is wrong. It's not, it's the right thing. Um, but it talks about how to show up for people and hard things without, like how to empathize with them without trying to fix it or save them. And it's really, really, really helpful. Um, and I think what Rick was saying was kind of that, like to be in the dark place with them and not necessarily try and fix it. Like there's nothing more annoying than when you have like a hard situation. They're like, what if you did this? Or what if you did this? Or we could go do this. And it's like, I don't wanna do any of that. I'm just sad, right? And it kind of talks about what it's like to be in that sad place with someone. It's really helpful. Yeah. It is now 623. 
So, uh, again, to be honest, it was supposed to be done three minutes ago. Um, we have, I have, and I know we had to like, even scratch the surface. If you guys want to stay, man, by all means do so. I just want to be obedient to you guys' time, let you go if you need to go. So we're going to pray, and if you want to stay a little bit longer, you can stay. Don't feel any pressure to stay. Yeah. And then just take, I'll just put them over here. Just take, those, those are just some bullet points that you can use as you um, go forward in ministry. Um, and then, like I said, Jamie and I will stick around if yeah. you want to have more conversations. Can we do that? So let's pray. Lord, thank you once again for even the difficult and hard uh, talks around what it looks like to set boundaries and, and not only for us to pursue kids, but to pursue kids in a way that will allow us to be health, healthy and safe mm-hmm. um, in you, Lord. Um, we are not looking for something that's easy. Uh, we know that it's not. Um, but we also know that you're pursuing us, uh, you're loving us, and you want us to have a place where we can thrive. So I just pray, Lord, that you would just continue uh, to be with every single person in this room. Remind them that they are called uh, to the Father first and most importantly. Um, and remind them uh, that they um, are special and cared for. So, Lord, we thank you once again for this awesome opportunity to be together. And we pray that you would give us wisdom and courage to enter into even the things that are difficult. Lord, we thank you and love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.